Hi there, and welcome to Third Sector Success 101, the podcast from Third Sector Network with me, Joe Green, your host. It's my absolute pleasure to welcome you along today. In this particular episode, we are going to be talking with my guest about all things procurement support related for charities. Now, you might be pretty familiar with what I mean by procurement support for charities, or you may not really be entirely sure what I'm talking about. But either way, helping us understand it all a bit better is our guest, David Hales from HQP Limited who are a specialist procurement firm with a lot of experience supporting third sector organisations. We're going to be talking about a number of things, but one thing is absolutely certain with this episode. After the difficult times with COVID-19 recently and a current cost of living crisis, no charity, non-profit or social enterprise can afford to be completely unaware of all the support that's out there when it comes to procurement. So with no further ado, let's welcome our guest David and find out what he's here to tell us all about. Hi there, David. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you ever so much for coming along today. Would you like to introduce yourself and your organisation? Sure, yeah. My name's uh, David Hales. I'm the MD of HQP, um, which is a social enterprise and not-for-profit procurement organisation that has been working for almost 10 years uh, within the charity sector, bringing good practice, saving money uh, and helping out charities in their back office needs. Thanks ever so much. So the key word there you've said is procurement. Now, procurement yeah. is one of these things that, you know, I think people are familiar with the word and people probably yeah. think they've got, you know, they've got a basic grasp of what it means. And I took the liberty beforehand of just having um, the dictionary definition, you know, so which is a lot more straightforward than perhaps I was expecting. Procurement, the <laughs> act, the action of obtaining or procuring something. But from your point of view, if someone was saying, oh, what do you mean your company does procurement? What is procurement? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I mean, I think we procure everything every day as individuals, don't we? And as businesses, uh, we often find that we need to have specialists in that area. Um, and that means about, well, for me, it's about finding suppliers who meet your needs. And that's very much either about your customer needs or your um, operational needs and finding those supplier solutions or products that meet those needs in a cost-effective or efficient or really high-quality service uh, manner. So it's, I suppose it's about a meeting of, meeting of uh, need versus provision. Brilliant stuff. I was trying to think before this podcast of a sort of an, an analogy, and the one that popped into my head, and tell me if this is miles off, it, it's a bit like almost like a concierge at a hotel in the sense that you're not actually providing the services yourself, but what you're doing is you're making sure people who have needs have those needs met. You know, you can make you can make it all happen. So that for the person's point of view, it's a lot less stress, it's a lot less work, and the end result, you know, gets delivered the way they were hoping to without them having to put in all the legwork themselves necessarily. Is that fair? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I suppose if I was going to use a, a sort of uh, paraphrase, I'd, I'd call ourselves uh, a uh, your helping hand for procurement, really. You know, we're, we're your virtual procurement department. And often a lot of organisations, whether commercial or social enterprises, don't have uh, in-house procurement. Um, they, If they do, that's great. Um, and often they will have a professional procurement manager. Uh, but if they don't, then a lot of them will, you know, go to the market, often to their local community, particularly if they're charities where they uh, operate in their community, that's where they provide their services. 
and they will often leverage relationships or community-based companies, uh, which, you know, is great, but not often always the most uh, cost-effective or quality-orientated uh, service. So, you know, it's, I suppose what we do is we, we complement uh, lots of charities in, in their procurement, um, particularly in the complex areas, I would suggest, Joe, because let's face it, the pandemic has given rise to a lot of homeworking, you know, <laughs> here we are. I'm in the office today, uh, unbelievably, but uh, what it has given rise to is the need for a lot of operations, organisations to be much slicker in terms of providing office-based work, remote working. And, you know, we all think that's easy nowadays with computers, but, you know, and behind the scenes, there's somebody who's had to set up all of the uh, IT infrastructure, the ability to get into, I don't know, your HR system, your training system. Uh, and I suppose what I've felt and looked over the last few years is to provide access to those suppliers in those areas where, you know, you need that efficient uh, and supporting hand. Um, and what, and what, and conscious, I'm sure you'd be keen to point out that you could provide support in a whole bunch of areas, but what would yeah. you say are the sort of bread and butter areas? What are the most common areas that um, organisations come to you asking you to procure support with? You know what, it, it can go from one end of the extreme to the other, you know, and what, what I mean by that, it can go from catering, for example. It can go from, you know, some some of the organisations we've dealt with, have, you know, they've done their catering for maybe their patients or, or people uh, yeah, from Asda or not that I'm plugging and other other uh, other supermarkets are available, but from a, from a local supermarket, whereas we will provide access to a buying group who provide caterers, uh, that can offer you a discounted rate because if you're a member of HQP, you can get access to all these suppliers in these different areas. So, you know, you can go from catering uh, all the way up to probably the more technologically challenging areas, technical solutions, HR solutions. A lot of this, you probably heard some of the stuff in the uh, news or this robotic processing, uh, you know, where, you've, where you get, not robots per se, but, you know, you get systems to interact and, talk to and and do some of the drudgery of you know the excel sheets maybe that can help you be more efficient with data and, and hopefully uh, service the end provider so okay. i suppose we're talking about the kind of things that go on in the background all the time like catering and things like that it's always going on in the background but it can be probably quite labor intensive if, if the organization is doing it all themselves and what you're able to do is say not only can we potentially find you a better deal because we've got these relationships you know we, we, where we've got good deals available so hopefully we can maybe save you some money but at the same time reduce your workload so it's that win-win scenario would you like to get a really good deal and at the same time have less work to do absolutely you know as i said we're helping hand use and abuse us because you know we can take away that time and resource i mean if you're doing tenders and a lot of organizations mandate within their governance that they have to do tenders and go out to three suppliers particularly for the more complex areas and you know we we have done that on your behalf we have uh, selected a roster of um suppliers from all these different areas you know you you ask about what typically do people come to us for well insurances i mean everybody has to have an insurance uh, for their buildings and for their professional indemnity so we partnered with an insurance company that provides access to that um we also you know you might have some medical needs in terms of you know medical waste so we've provided uh, access to a medical waste uh, supplier and 
what you can be secure in the knowledge then is that you're dealing with a supplier who is you know robust in terms of we've done the due diligence on their background checks in terms of uh you know their uh, financial security but also I, personally I, I think a large part of this is about relationships and about having empathy with your uh supplier uh, customer relationship and you know we partner with suppliers who are you know ethically minded who understand the sector um you know everybody's looking to do more for less aren't they joe and uh you know what i won't tolerate is suppliers who are unscrupulous and will be pushing and and this often happens in my past experience you will find suppliers who think that the vcse the social enterprise sector is an easy target and there's lots of money in that isn't there everybody's got reserves but you know the fact of the matter is that you know we need to find a supplier who is professional and can service your needs and take away that pain you know why why do you want to go through a process of finding out the best telecoms provider uh, for your charity and you know maybe you've got a load of shops do you do you need to do you need to go and find out somebody who's got you know the best epos provision for putting in your uh you know in your data in the shops and and doing the the daily daily takings these things can be really complicated you know particularly if you're looking at you know have we got the right uh networks in the hosp in the in-house in terms of telecoms and it i suppose you know lean on somebody problem problem shared is a problem half in my humble opinion show no no absolutely i, I think it and, and this is something that you know the charity sector you know some charities do it some don't but it's something that the business sector takes as read and, and has done for years you know the private sector does it you know if you think about how businesses work like you know a hotel a hotel doesn't do its own laundry you know when you no. go into a branch of a premier inn they don't do their own telephone contract. They'll have central no. procurement for that. They don't do their own insurance. You know, no. there's like five staff in a premier and they haven't got time to have a manager doing all that individually. It's not, we yes. strip the beds, chuck them in a big box and someone goes away and does it for it and someone has sorted that out. I don't need, you know, the manager of the Premier Inn in Bolton or wherever doesn't need to worry about, oh, when's our phone contract up? Because someone has taken responsibility for that. And of course, that is, you know, from just, I don't know why I'm focusing so much on Premier Inn, but for sort of their <laughs> business model, that allows them to use less staff and be more streamlined and focus more from their point of view on serving the customer. And from a charity's point of view, it then frees up the charity to say, right, we've saved 48 man hours a week you know a month there we've we've saved some money here which means if someone else is taking the weight off us and saving us some money at the same time it frees us up to do the thing that we're here to do which is provide the service we want you know no no charity wants to be spending 30 40 50 percent of its time doing the back behind the scenes logistics if they can avoid it well let me give you a few sort of numbers in my experience you know so i mean you you know as much as i there are I don't know, circa 200,000 charities in the UK. The, the number's not exactly known. And most of them are, are quite small. Well, I think is it about half of them are about have an income of less than 10 grand. This yep. is from the NCVO. I've got some of these stats. Uh, 80% bringing less than 100,000 pounds a year. Yep. Um, and ultimately, yeah, what we're trying to do there is, I suppose, future-proof them, um, you know, against the economic uh, challenges. And, and do you really want your... CEOs, your FDs, you know, going out and doing procurement. You you probably don't. I mean, I work with some procurement managers, but you know, for me, 
we're about their easing their load and it's about easing their load to be more efficient in other areas where you know we don't focus which you know we don't we don't provide the services that charities do that that that's their remit we don't go out and source those we are supposed the the back office specialist joe we we make sure the wheels are oiled so that the uh, the hospices or the charities they can function you know to their best of their abilities i mean some other staggering statistics are 43% of charities this is the institute of fundraising expected to see an increase in demand versus versus a decline of 48% of voluntary income uh, and 52% are expected to reduce their services so we've all got to do more for less and you know charities cannot rely upon disposable income anymore they've got to look at cunning ways of trying to fundraise i mean we you turn on the telly every every day don't you joe there's there's some charity advertising for whether it's you know wills or various different ways of trying to get hold of money and you know these these bigger charities have much uh more success because let's face it they've got a bigger operation but the smaller yep. under the ice the top of the iceberg this is where you know organizations such as us can collaborate and i, I think for me collaboration and partnerships has got to be the byword for the 21st century and oh no it, ha it has it has you can't you know you can't be an island in, in this current climate right. and you know i do a lot of work with smaller charities the kind of charities you're talking about who are the the overwhelming vast majority of the charity sector and to be honest without naming names i i i do find it interesting that you know inevitably the subject of financial security for the next year or two comes up and it's a massive concern it's not just the charity sector for everyone and yet so often the approach is just how can we make more money? How can we bring in new revenue? How can we get more money? And if we don't bring more money in, we're not going to make it. How can we bring more money in? I say, well, yeah, that, that that's good. Yes. And you want to think about that. How much are you giving as much thought to how many savings you can make? Well, yeah. no, no. So, so, and, and I did some work with a charity in the East Midlands about a year ago. And they wanted to raise, I think it was they, because they wanted to take on some new staff. They felt they needed, they, they wanted to raise £50,000 extra a year, which, which on their budget was a lot of money. Yeah. And I said, right, well, you, you've got a significant amount coming in, but your overheads are quite high. And I'm not a financial expert. This was just very generic advice I was giving. Yeah, yeah. I said, if you can find £25,000 worth of saving, you've only got to raise £25,000 worth of, of new revenue. You know, you don't have to yeah. find £25,000 of new revenue. And it was, I don't want to be patronising or anything, but it was kind of like they were like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I hadn't thought well, of it like that, you know. And they went out and they worked out, do you know what, actually, yes, we don't need two of these. We can manage with one. That's a saving there. And we, they went out and appealed, can someone do this for free for us and we'll promote you? Oh, and they managed to, within the space of a very short amount of time, in less than a month, they managed to find £18,000 worth of savings in, in, in yeah. a month. Now, that was just doing it themselves on quite a small scale. But then that made, you know took so much of the pressure off. So if you're a, a slightly larger charity and you're thinking, God, if, if we don't find another £200,000 a year or a million pounds or whatever, we're in serious trouble. If you focus just on how can we make more money, how can we do more fundraising? You're only doing half the job, aren't you? I, I agree. And, you know, typically in charities, I mean, this is a broad figure, 15 to 20 percent uh, of expenditure is on areas other than people, because obviously people are, are what make charities do the, the, the magic work that they, they do in society. So uh, that 15 to 20 percent, if you're not looking at that in tandem with growing your top end, your income, then you're 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 doing yourself a disservice. And, you know, it's not always about just saving money because there's always going to be somebody cheaper out there, Joe, you know, selling cheaper 
onions yeah. or what have you. But you know what you want to do is you want to make sure you've got security of supply and you're partnering with the right suppliers who can see through these tough times uh, and aren't just in it for you know the the short term. It, for me, what we provide is access to to uh, qualified suppliers um, that you know you should have a, a long term marriage with because they can understand your sector. They can find areas where they can innovate. I mean, innovation, that's another area. You've got obviously your your, your costs and also your, your top line income, but innovation is key. And, you know, we we have a roster of um, consultants as well, uh, you know, some who will provide fundraising expertise. You know, it's always good to tap into the areas of your subject matter experts, you know, fundraising expertise, sustainability, the green agenda, that's big on a lot of charities uh strategies um yeah. you know you we i suppose you know ultimately we 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 are there as your resource to take away that pain that often comes with trying to make the operation run smoothly absolutely like you say because it's hard to do it all yourself now we've talked about financial challenges let's sort of uh, you know address the two elephants in the room which is the past 3 years in terms of covid and everything and going forward cost of living uh, i mean David, talk us through what it what it was what what the last couple of years have been like as we emerged from COVID, but then financial insecurity has gone through the roof. What, what's it been like from your experience dealing with the financial challenges that everyone around the world is facing, particularly this this country and the charity sector has faced? I think you know, when you look at the charity sector and COVID, that period during it, and let, let's face it, you know the after effects, which are still now. Uh, I think in a lot of charities hunkered down during that period uh, and looked to try and maintain their relationships with their sponsors and uh, um, and you know pe people who provide them with their funds. Uh, that relationship is key, obviously. Um, I think having conversations about strategy was very difficult because people were looking at the here and now uh, and maintaining those streams. I'm not I'm not sure a huge amount was being done. At, taking the opportunity to look at uh, cost savings uh, on that expenditure line that you mentioned, Joe, um, yeah. because simply, you know, I, th I think there are more media issues uh, in place. Um, yeah. And, you know, that, that that's fair to say, you know, it's, uh, you, 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 there are many burning platforms and let's face it, it was a, it was a changing dynamic on a daily basis. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. I think, you know, we, we all went through it, you know, we've all had our different experiences of it. And it was it was exceptionally um, difficult to plan ahead, because like you said, we, we were all living month by month and you had, you know, how on earth can you make an effective plan for a year ahead when you've no idea whether you're going to be in lockdown or not, sort of like three months after that. And it, that's that makes it sort of impossible. But without tempting fate, we've come out of that now in terms of the world of lockdowns and, and things like that. And whilst COVID obviously yeah. is still there, you know, we have come out of it in the sense of what we were going through and now we're going through cost of living and and inflation is horrendous horrendous for the charity sector you know i, mm. I don't mean this in a derogatory way but the charity sector has never been like the best paying sector ever it's never no. been you know necessarily the most financially stable sector there has always been some charities that you know have to survive year by year because you're relying on the generosity of others and things like that um, yeah, and for many charities the problem is the product doesn't change you know businesses can bring out a brand new product and suddenly everyone's excited you know if you're if you're an you know charities this is the people we support well you're still supporting the same people a year later you know to keep that interest going 
looking ahead, inflation, although we talk about it coming down, isn't really going anywhere. It's, you know, this year's right. going to be tough. Probably next year's going to be tough as well. Realistically, yeah. realistically, the next 24 months are going to be pretty dicey. Let's be blunt. Some charities are going to go to the wall. We know that. That's unavoidable. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, from your point of view with HQP, you know, what what is what how do you see the next sort of year or two unfolding from a current point of view and a financial point of view with charities? I mean, it is difficult to say. Um, I, I I think I would say the prime drivers uh, are going to be collaboration. Uh, the charities will probably need to work together with uh, each other. Um, a lot of them do. Uh, there's a group in Manchester, GMCVO, which uh, is an overarching organisation, social enterprise themselves, that provides access to charities, to you know information, understanding where grants or opportunities are. And I think if you are a charity and you're not involved with your local uh, VCSE that provides that, then you know you need to get on Google and and, and find that uh resource uh you know in tandem with that resource i would be hope to be working with them so that we could be showcased on their website within their newsletters so that you could access hqp and our uh portfolio uh i do think you know that um technology is going to play a big piece you know and they've you know i'm no technology expert joe but you know what what i think technology brings us is speed and efficiency uh, you know just look at what whatsapp's done for us it makes us all have better contact with each other quicker and more immediately and that's what technology can do in this environment it can speed you know you can get you don't want to be i don't know if you're if you're scheduling people to go out and see older people in the community for example you don't want to be doing that on a spreadsheet or a piece of paper or post-it notes you want to be doing that on a piece of technology so you're going to have to invest in some of this from a capital point of view but you know that that's where I think progressive trustees uh, and leadership can look in those areas to see where efficiencies can, you know, reduce workload, um, share workload. I think a lot of the sharing in communities is going to happen. I've spoken to people where nurses are going to be sharing across regions their ability to go into uh, different situations. And I suppose, thirdly, you know, the integrated care system, uh, which I know is very health orientated, but the integrated care system has been enacted into law, and what that provides is 42 regions in the in the in England, uh, Scotland, Wales are slightly differently conformed, but you've now got a dedicated group of people there, from commissioners down to VCSEs and those people doing the work who you can draw upon, and you can try and join those dots up, and you can try and make sure that the patient pathway or the experience of a uh, some, somebody who requires access to services is joined up because let's face it we're all getting frustrated about the lack of interoperability and talking to each other and I think you know the time is ripe for that to happen uh, and you know if we can facilitate that you spoke about that uh, you know earlier Joe we're we're a middleman if you will we can facilitate and I'm a matchmaker I, I like, I'm trying to match make the you know, uh, the charities with uh, great suppliers to just help yeah. them to be better, to be the best that they can be.
I think we can agree on one thing for certain, David, and that is that if, if your charity, you know, if, if any charity, sorry, you know, is, is, is concerned about the financial outlook and stability and things like that. And I think that's going to be most most organisations at the moment. You know, don't, you know, don't get me wrong. So, some things will work better for others. And, and for some charities, you know, you know, procurement support is not necessarily going to be their priority. But no. whatever you do. Um, doing nothing is not an option. You've got to be no. proactive. You've got to get out there. Okay, so David, you know, procurement, it's it, it's going to be something, we're talking about proactive, you know, getting out there. It's going to be something that works for some people, it might not work for others, but let's say a, a charity is listening to this and thinks, do you know what? We should look into this. And, you know, I've heard about this company, HQP. Let's go and have a chat. So they've come to meet you in person or they're on Zoom and you're having that first sit down. And what they're basically saying to you is, you know, how how what what can you do for us? How does this start? How does that conversation begin? How do you explain to them what you can do for them? Yeah, I think it's very easy. It's uh, it's about having an open book uh, approach. Um, I think we'd first assess whether there is opportunity. Uh, and that's about seeing where their procurement needs are and what contracts they have currently. Uh, I mean, if, if they have got some very long-term contracts in place that are difficult to get out of, then we might not be able to help. And I'll be brutal and honest about that. But you know, often there are areas where some of our suppliers can buy out of the contracts that might be in place. And, you know, so don't always think that there's a closed door there, but we would look at the uh, portfolio of procurement they do, whether it's from, you know, buying uh, merchandise all the way up to, uh, you know, their telecom needs, perhaps, for example. Uh, and we would assess whether we can match some of our suppliers to that. Um, as I say, you know, it's it's about uh, assessing their needs against our sort of provisions. Um, so we'd identify those opportunities. If there are some, then, you know, I'd welcome them to be a member of HQP. We have a small annual fee, um, just like any gym. Uh, it's You join the gym and you get access to all of these great uh, suppliers with exclusive deals and uh, very... Um, ethically minded uh, service provisions. Um, and, you know, indeed, uh, once you have access to that, then I will introduce you to those suppliers and you can, uh, I suppose, cherry pick. We call them frameworks, Joe. You, we have various frameworks of suppliers in various areas and what the, uh, the charity would do, they would need to do is to uh, entertain a, a conversation with those and uh, and look to see if there's opportunity there to to save money, mitigate risk. Um, so I think the, uh, the the challenge is, you know, do you uh, have the time and energy to do that? Because if you if you don't, you're going to be losing out. I think this is the thing, you know, I, I, to, to wheel out a cliche, what have you got to lose? You know, if someone comes along <laughs> and says, what can you do for us? And, and, and you know, the honest answer is maybe we're not actually able to help you in this specific circumstance. Well, yeah. you've, you've, you've used up a bit of time having a chat and a back and forth, but you could potentially save them huge amounts of money in time. So what's the harm in losing, you know, take losing that little bit of time? And I think in the current economic climate, you know, post-COVID, hashtag cost of living and all that, I think most charities by the sounds of it could probably benefit from looking out for some procurement support. David, I want to thank you ever so much for your time today. I've certainly learned a lot about how procurement works and what it can offer charities. Um, would you just be kind enough to tell us where anyone who's interested could find out more about HQP and where they would need to go if they want to maybe take things forward a little bit? 
Yeah, absolutely. We've got a website which is very easy to uh, read and digest. Uh, it's www.hqp.org.uk. Um, I'm sure you'll provide some details with the podcast, but um, yeah, you can contact us there through the uh, contact form. Um, and you'll find us on LinkedIn as well. Um, and indeed on Twitter, if you're a Twitterer. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Yeah, like David alluded to there, yes, if you look down in the um, details section of this podcast online, you can find the link to HQP's website and their socials as well. So look there. Once again, David, thank you ever so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thanks ever so much. Thank you. So there you have it. It's been my absolute pleasure to talk to David Hales from HQP Limited. And like he said, you can find out more about them on their website. I, for one, will gladly admit that I've learned a little bit more about procurement support than I knew beforehand. And it's pretty clear to me how a procurement support organisation can definitely help make life a little bit easier or perhaps a lot easier for a number of charities, non-profits and social enterprises out there. So if you've been listening to this episode and you think procurement support might be something that could help you, maybe get in touch with HQP Limited. You can find out more about Third Sector Network at our website, www.thirdsectornetwork.co.uk. You can also find us on social media. We're at My Third Sector on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And if you wanted to go on any of those and say anything nice about the podcast, that'd be lovely. I've been your host, Joe Green. This has been Third Sector Success 101. It's been our pleasure to have you here today. <laughs>